Oh, what's that? A bird? Oh, yes, that was a bird. If you want to listen to this episode about the film on Charlie Parker, 1988, listen on. We are the good, the bad, and the just plain standard podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Y- Jan is currently fetching a wine uh, as a throwback to the... We won't be getting as smashed as we were in the Goodyear episode. That was ridiculous. Uh, we did an episode with another actor friend of ours where we test- and tested, we tried some of Jan's lovely vineyard wine. But we didn't have like test size glasses. It was essentially boiled down to like nine glasses of wine in three hours. It was, uh, it was, it was an episode. There, 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 there are the bottles. Yeah, there's some leftovers right. up there. Okay. I think we finished all of the white, and we've only got the reds left. And we've got the d- dessert wine as well, the smaller bottle as well. But all lovely. I don't remember that. Do you not remember the episode? Wow. No. Not really. I actually remember feeling quite fresh the day after. I, that was like that must be a good quality wine because there's not any rubbish in it to make me feel super hungover. Yeah, it so wasn't that too was, bad. That was oh. something else. Hello, Jan. How are you? Where? Have you nice cap. <laughs> Where have you been? I love dairy. Great. <laughs> this like a Trump America. Well, his hat says make haggis great again. So that's Scotland. That's Scotland. And I love dairy. Which reminds me of Stephen King. Well, it's the town from it. Yeah, yes. Thank you. He also uses dairy, uh, Maine, all the time. Yeah, Maine's his favourite state. It's like everything seems to go wrong in Maine in the Stephen King novel. (laughs) I think that's where he's based, right? I think think he's definitely from Maine or at least in the northeast. Yeah, Um, I think so too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to make haggis great again because... uh, well, it's... What's wrong with haggis in the first it's place? It's perfectly suitable. <laughs> well, what are you trying you to just say? been eating the wrong this haggis. Is, this is our very first uh, movie directed by Clint Eastwood, who is a huge uh, MAGA fan, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. So today, uh, we are also introducing again, we'll be tasting some wine today. Uh, again. Uh, <laughs> only one bottle this time. Only yeah. one. Yeah, just one bottle. This one is called a Cuvée Fonfresque. The... Uh, size. I mean, the, the the shape of that bottle is different. It's kind of a Bourgogne uh, shape. Mm-hmm. The other ones were taller and slimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is special. It's a rosé, which was aged in oak barrels, the full volume, for, for a year. Nice. nice. Yes, yes. That's the one I want to convert Mira with. So I got this bottle oh, and yes. another one for later. Uh, our friend is from Italy and she thinks rosé is like a really bad thing right like, it's okay. not wine <laughs> so Jan's like well, bitch yeah. please try this yeah <laughs> i guess you know we're, we're all kind of biased like for me prosecco is not is not champagne no you know? no yeah i kind of agree yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah I okay so let's um let's uh kick things off with this now i think it's safe to say that for any typical french person and by typical i mean with a severe case of adam bliviousness not unaware excuse me <laughs> What is, what is what? Not unaware of Anouk's advances in this case, but totally oblivious to the difference between UK, Great Britain, Northern Ireland, Scotland. These people then may not understand Adam's position on the World Cup. My friend, are you not happy to see England so far down in the football rabbit hole? God almighty, this is going to... If we have any English listeners, this will really discredit it. But um, there's, a, there's a saying in most of Wales, Ireland and Scotland that's like anyone but England. And I mostly, applic- uh, mostly I apply that to rugby because um, Eng- England rugby is just, it's its own thing. It's like super big, but it, they just don't shut up about it. In fairness, 
they win a lot, so that's why it's constant. But whenever you get coverage here, it's always the commentators say we, and it's like, but it's not we. I'm in Scotland. I'm not. I, I'm not necessarily supporting England. That's so a I, good point. So I get more annoyed by, and I think it's the case for most Scottish people. I mean, you will find people that don't like the team because you know. The rivalry between England and Scotland is deeper than just sport. But for my case, it's definitely to do with coverage rather than the actual nation. And and it's not we anyway. You're just commenting or sitting on your ass in front of your TV. Yeah. It's not we. It's more... The players are doing it. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's mostly because I think a lot of commentators you get, especially in BBC, are ex-England football players. You get a lot of the time. Uh, there is another coverage that actually does have a Scottish commentator on it, which is quite interesting, but he's never on any England game. Surprise, surprise. Mm, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Um, uh, okay. But you guys are doing all right. France is in the final. France is going to win. France is in the final. France yeah. is going to win. They're um, so good. I actually watched my first game last night. Oh, yeah, what a game to start with. Game. Yeah, yeah. A good game. Not bad. I, I haven't. I haven't, but I, I think I don't have a choice anymore. I need to watch the final now. I've got an idea. So one of the best players on the French team right now is Mbappe, who is 19. He's like going to be the next superstar in football. Um, so I've got an idea. What each one of us? What were you doing at nineteen? If this guy's in his in the semi final, scoring goals for France as a nation in his second game at nineteen? I know I had the most amazing set of hair at nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I doing at 19? I just started ACS, actually. To be fair, 19 is not that long ago for me. That's like three years. So, yeah, meeting you two, actually, is what I was doing about 19. Yeah, well, you were at least furthering your career. I think I was a part-time nanny, like, working and going out every night. Every London night, girl. Getting absolutely blasted. So, yeah. You know, me and Mbappe, we, we're kind of the same. <laughs> um, I think I was in uh, 19, yeah. So I must have been in first year of bachelor's degree uh, in English literature. Because at, at that time, I thought I was going to be an English teacher. Yeah. Which now I'm doing something completely different. <laughs> so, but you know, it's, it's never too late. I mean, No, of you, course you, not. You could maybe uh, be the, the next Mbappe if you want. <sighs> it's never too late. I know. know. Football. I got a lot of work to do if I want to be the next <laughs> Mbappe in Bepe, sorry. I mean, someone will just need to throw a balloon at your, not at your face, but at your feet. And then uh, just like if it was symbols, and then it will yeah. like launch you into the... the yeah. so, uh, let me uh, get the wines into your cups now. Okay. Okay. Can we do, can we not have a full glass? <laughs> start off small. Can we have a start? Yeah, kinda... yeah, yeah, yeah. You pass it over up. Still a lot, but okay. <laughs> so you guys can have the sound, but so, they won't have the text. Yeah, while I'm doing that, <laughs> I will display something on the screen for our online viewers. Right, so now you can see I've introduced, I've introduced a new word in the English language. So, Adam Blivius. <laughs> Adjective, not aware of or concerned about the heavy flirting from one's scene partner during rehearsals. Anouk was really like... Really, really into that guy, but he was completely oblivious to her antics. <laughs> oh my days! Oh no! <laughs> I don't know how I feel about people knowing that I was flirting with someone through rehearsal. Well, it's probably I really unprofessional. Well, me. I don't know how I feel about being totally oblivious. <laughs> now, now it's a noun. <laughs> Sorry, an adjective even. That's hilarious. Oh dear! You were totally oblivious. Oh, I, I don't deny that at all. <laughs> I do not deny that at all. It might be my fault. I might just be really terrible at flirting. Maybe we're a horrible combo. Yeah, we just shouldn't be together. <laughs> so uh, yeah. while I was away preparing the wine, and uh, did you introduce um, 
Uh, Francis, no, it. we didn't. Oh, you just started. Did we we really discussed the wine. So Francis is back with us. Well, it was uh, Maximiliano the first time for the prestige. <laughs> yeah. Now we have Francis Girola. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, you're here with us in your quality of a member of Sonic Winter and friend and many other things. What's uh, what's new in your uh, Sonic Winter life, my friend? Well, uh, so since last time that I came here, I think, was it in January or something, or February? Uh, End of January, early February. Right. End of yeah. January. So I was just about to release um, a single, which came out uh, in mid-February, called Blank. Um, and so, yeah, so basically we're just, uh, we're preparing a new album. So we've basically got, you know, all, all the material we need for a new album. We just we just want to release, you know, one single at a time. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be a new. Uh, I mean, it, so if you don't know Sonic Winter, it's so the concept is like uh, it's like a virtual band. Well, we call it a band, but the core is a duo be between myself and a friend of mine who is in Paris, a, a guitar player, and then we collaborate with plenty of different people from all around the world, depending on the the project that we have, uh, and it's you know people that we've never met. In real life, we don't even know what they look like. Uh, like the guy on Blank who sings is a rapper from London. Never met him before. I just know what he sounds like. I really liked his voice, so I just you know used uh, I sampled his voice. Uh, you know we uh, collaborate with musicians from Sweden, um, the US. So yeah, it's um, it's a pretty cool project. It's a lot of hard work because it's uh you know it's like an auto production mm. um so yeah we just try to uh to give the best that we can yeah so that's pretty much what's new with sonic winter right now so we're preparing new things uh i don't know when the next single is is going to come out uh in fact we're not quite sure which one we're going to bring out mm. uh first uh but we've got some new exciting uh, stuff uh, new sound as well so more electro based Originally, it was like more like uh, classic rock, but this time it's going to be more electronic, electronic based. So very cool. Yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm. And so we know that you you've been uh, uh, living in Glasgow for almost ten years, but it's about to change, isn't it? Yes, yes. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to a different country. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Technicalities. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so basically after nine years in Glasgow, uh, I will be moving down to London because that's where my fiancé and I will be based. Uh, so uh, after two years of, you know, uh, going backwards and forwards, but, you know, to and fro with Africa because that's, that's where she was based. So now we'll finally be on the same continent. Your way. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> uh, but that means that I'm going to have to... Um, leave glasgow unfortunately mm. so yeah well congrats on the fiance then first. yeah thank you very much thank you <laughs> cheers to that yeah that's a good yes. cheers santé. Santé. santé santé yes Ding. santé um, <laughs> so mm. Mm. now tell me tell you the story of a little boy who was born in aix-en-provence in 1979 okay. and as his dad was moving a lot with the work they moved so he started in Provence, they moved in Paris, and then when that little boy started to have the Parisian accent, they said, oh, no, we'll move in the center of France, uh, Touraine. And Ouch. in the, the house where the, the, that family stayed uh, 
for years and years, the longest really, like 20 years. And in that living room, there was a mezzanine. And in the mezzanine, on one on the ceiling, because it was kind of a triangular uh, uh, ceiling, so on one of the sides, there was a poster, a poster of bird. And a few days ago, uh, that little boy, who is now a full-ass grown man, <laughs> me, uh, just asked uh, my dad, well, there's been this poster there for like more, more than 30 years now. Why? And he had the best answer ever. Eh, it was just there. <laughs> oh, wow. The best anticlimactic thing ever. Wow. So I was imagining there must have been a reason for... And so I always avoided uh, to watch the movie for some obscure reason or I don't... So now I watched it. And that's the subject of this episode. 1988 Clint Eastwood movie, Bird. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Starring? Starring Forrest Whitaker, Diane Verona, Venora, excuse me, Michael Zelnicker, Samuel E. Wright, Keith David, and Michael Maguire. I mean, the list goes on, but yeah. So we, we'll talk about uh, a Whiplash at some point. You know, the, 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 the central story uh, that Fletcher, the anecdote that he tells most of the time, that the Joe Jones that threw the symbol at the head mm. of uh, young Charlie Parker? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the, something that is way more real and how it happened um, in this movie. Yeah. It was kind of an open mic, and there was Charlie Parker, and it was just he messed things up. So the the the, the drummer threw yeah the symbol, but at his feet, not at his face, not at his head. Yeah, because no. um, no. that sounds super dangerous. A little bit, a little bit dangerous. Well, maybe they were inspired <laughs> by the George W. Bush and the uh, shoe. Uh, oh yeah. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's oh. what inspired uh, Whiplash. I don't mm. know. That was a good um, uh, video. Uh, I watched so I watched it for the first time yesterday, and there was something at one point. His wife, uh, well, before she is his wife, says, "You're a mind reader." Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it made me think about the notoriety, uh, because the guy is struggling with his own problems. He's massively popular; everyone wants to be with him, uh, which reminded me of a story uh, we had, and I really understood and. Uh, like gathered how powerful uh, that can be when we were at Mines a few weekends ago and some people uh, wanted to know what you were doing for a living, Francis. Yes, mm. yeah. So, well, so have you got a, qu- a question for me? So you want no. me to... <laughs> no, it's indeed. No, uh, how... Because you, you from the outside, it felt weird because it felt like I was with a superstar in the bar and people were just like... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> kind of uh not harassing but like getting into yeah again again i want to get me we right well i guess maybe we should put things in context so basically we were at the bar and we're in newcastle which is you know i've learned that this is the number one place in in the uk for you know stag do's and you know yeah uh, it's, it's up there yeah yeah and so is that there where was, you're going, <laughs> yeah, that's where going yeah. <laughs> from london all the way up to newcastle for one night yeah. where francis is a superstar on his stag do <laughs> Because you're such a lad. Uh, So we're actually there on a mentalism convention, which is even more weird when you think about it. You know, like a convention of mind readers. Um, Mm. But so I was, we were at the bar, just ordering a a drink, and so there's this uh, group of guys who are obviously there on the stag too, and who had obviously 
had quite a, a bit uh, to drink uh, before beforehand. And I usually have my uh, a doctor's bag, uh, and, like a three piece suit. And so, uh, so the guy, one of the guys was, was looking at me and was like, so are you a doctor? I'm like, no, I'm not a doctor. Is it because of the bag? He said, yeah. So he's like, what are you? And I said, well, yeah, well, guess. And he said, well, are you like Sherlock Holmes or something? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess maybe kind of close. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't really want to say like mind reader or mentalist or... Because no. immediately they're going to go, oh, do a trick. Yes. What yeah, am I thinking about? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, show me something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I didn't really want to uh, to do something because I was just, you know, I just wanted to order a drink and uh, and that's it. Especially it was like after a long day at the convention. So, mm, yeah, yeah. but in the end, yeah, so I did show something and it was quite, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, and then some other guys from the convention as well came, uh, hypno uh, German hypnotist as well. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, when it's one of those jobs uh, that, you know, when you when you say you're you're a magician or you're a, a mentalist or mind reader well i know that mentalist is a bit of a double meaning so i don't usually say mentalist in the uk uh but you know when you say mind reader people say well can you show me something <laughs> whereas when you say well i'm a, i'm an accountant people don't say well can you just have a look at my bills for you know you can that's, do math you know? really good <laughs> that's my that's my favorite thing when people would say oh i'm a, oh, you call, oh, i'm an actor it's like oh what have you been in it's like you wouldn't ask an accountant it's like oh who ta whose taxes do you do yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. Can't I, be very good. Yeah, I like I like that magicians also go for accountants as well. I like that too. <laughs> accountants are just the the rag on people. It's like, oh, you know, accountant wouldn't do this. And I like it, that. Has anybody asked you? So, can you act something for me? Can you show me something? The weirdest one I've got is like somebody saying, "Oh, do something for us." I'm like, "What do you mean, do something for you?" It's like acting is you can't you can't just do it. Well, you could. I mean, you could recite a monologue, but that just makes you like, like weird. Mm. Like it's not like. With magic, obviously, you can you set it up and you've say if you're a card magician, it's like okay, I've got a pack, and you can take that moment to set it up as an actual like performance. But for an actor in public, it's not really possible. A musician as well, it's like you take out an instrument, you get that second of like taking it out to like people are ready for it. Uh, you have you obviously get the uh, what have what what um, could have I uh, been uh, seeing you in? Yeah, like, did I see you in somewhere? So now I think I'll just start to bullshit like yeah, yeah, and Braveheart, I was uh, William Wallace. Don't you remember? That was me. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. No. With a French, the Scottish guy with a French accent. Yeah. If somebody's drunk enough, they'll believe anything you say. Oh, like I was in this, and they'll believe you. You just have to believe it yourself. I I usually get angry though. I'm usually like, "Do you recognize me?" No. Shut up. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, big kudos to all our magic friends in Busan right now, South Korea. There is the uh, FISM at the moment which oh, is nice. every three years the uh, World Championship of Magic. Oh, wow. Which is where Paul is right now. Oh, awesome. Oh, very cool. And plenty of other friends. Yeah, last one was in Italy. Uh, this one is a bit uh, farther. So, uh, Is it a competition so cool. or is it a convention? It's it's uh, mostly a competition, yeah. Oh, wow. So is Paul performing? I don't know he, what don't know. he's coming uh, to do there, but... Um, yeah, sometimes he's booked. Uh, I don't know for this one. Best of luck if you're performing, Paul. Best of luck with that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, is I don't I don't think he's competing. No, because it's mostly novel, no, new acts. Ah, like, right. I mean, okay. I mean, he, he, yeah, it was. Uh, let me see. Was he? Yeah, I think he, he was booked. Well, the the last FISM in Rimini, Italy, was booked as a lecturer. Ah, right, I was okay. yeah, I saw his lecture at the at the time. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, okay, so this film is more than two hours and a half. Yeah, yeah it's a long one. Uh, 
there was one thing at one point I was just like, eh? The uh, Paris matte painting. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick up on that. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be a painting or it's supposed to be someone filming uh, Paris from above. I hope it's not somebody filming because that looks atrocious. It's yeah. like a bunch of lights and then like, oh, there's a triangular shape that is clearly meant to be the Eiffel Tower. Mm. So just, nah. the structure is clearly... I don't remember that. I don't remember this. It's, it's, it's one second. It's, it's, it's a cutaway. It's, be, to, it's established he, that he's now in Paris yeah, performing. And it's, it's a bit like uh, San Francisco, the room uh, kind of thing. But in here, it looks like a weird kitsch uh with the blinking lights uh painting of paris from above it's weird oh dear i i must say that um i missed quite a lot in this film and i i, I actually really enjoyed it afterwards like during i was like this is quite slow and you really need to focus mm. but actually some of the scenes have really stayed with me so i can't say that it's a bad film or it's standard like it's not at all I think you just have to be in the right frame of mind. I mean, I was three cocktails deep by the time we got to the end of this. To be honest, I, I clicked on the button to check what uh, how many times was um, left at least 10 times. <laughs> oh, wow. But okay. that it's only because I watched it between uh, 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Oh, right. Oh. Right. Fair play. <laughs> that's, that's why, because the first hour... I, I didn't feel the need to. Okay, how, how long? How long? Uh, I I definitely agree with that. The f it's it's very confusing to begin with, for sure. It's like w wait, what? Because they def they go for this um, jumping around narrative where we mm. flash back and up to date. We start with um, we start with we see it's even weird at the start. So we start seeing him as a child um, playing a saxophone, or is that just a are we to assume that that's Charlie Parker, or are we to? <laughs> Or is I that think just that a random is supposed guy? to be Charlie Parker. Right. Okay. So we start with Charlie Parker playing, then we flash forward to him like in a nightclub. Then we flash. Then we continue to the present day where he's going home to see his wife and then trying to commit suicide via iodine poisoning. Yeah. And then that's how we start the film. I'm like, right? Okay. Wow. This is a this is a heavy start. And then we yeah. throughout the film we jump back and forward, and it's never clearly established where we are yeah. at any time. Reminds me a bit of what uh, Jean Luc Godard was saying. You know, a story has a needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but not necessarily in, in that order. My and favorite yeah. quote from David Mamet is reciting that quote and then going, "Which is why French movies are terrible." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Mamet, <laughs> so harsh and well, not true." I and not true. I definitely agree with not true. Um, I would well, yeah. Well, obviously, a generalization is always is always bad, but uh, mm. you know, because yeah. you know, it's it's very difficult to define French films. Like, you, how could you define American films? You know, we've got so many uh, differences. But yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the the newest. Uh, I mean, the latest uh, films uh, right now. I had a thought the other day because we we briefly talked about you know we talked about Never Ending Story and we just talked about Ghostbusters yesterday actually. And I was thinking to myself, there hasn't really been a movie that had a, like a major impact on like a generation of people like Ghostbusters since that. So like 84 in the eighties, there was films that like established major franchises or like major fandoms, like even with Batman with um, Tim Burton, like that introduced Batman to a whole new generation, got people reading comics. I'm like, has there really been a film that's stuck with people recently? I think time has to be a factor here though, because um, my cousin is at the moment at St. Andrews um, studying history and idea and its ideas. And it's basically about nostalgia of golden eras mm. and how um, 
how interesting that is because obviously at the time you're not going to be thinking this is a golden era. We're, we're in a golden era. <laughs> this yeah, is the yeah. golden age. Like it has to be like, this is the boom because that's not how humans work. But when you think back, it's like, oh yeah, wasn't the eighties amazing? Wasn't this amazing? But I'm sure in, I don't know, uh, 2050, they'll probably think back and say, you know what? 2018 was a great so year for movies. To once again mention Lindsay Ellis, our favourite YouTuber, apparently, because we keep mentioning her all the time. She did a great video on um, the 30-year cycle, which is essentially every 30 years you look back to go, oh, that was the best time. Which is why, like, Stranger Things and all the 80s is super popular now, because it's, like, 30 years ago to now. So it's going to keep continuing. So in the tw- in 2020, we're going to look back at the 90s and have lots of 90s-inspired um, cinema and music and all that sort of thing which I'm excited for nightclub life because the 90s had it nailed compared to nowadays with nightlife for me it's music wise for sure I will say to my own point of like has there been a movie since Ghostbusters for me train spotting in 96 I think that's the, the Lord last of the Rings Lord of the Rings early 2000s I think, yeah but uh, since then uh, mm-hmm. not in a, not in my adult life I don't think I've seen anything well, I think I would agree with that whole cycle theory mm. but uh, on the other hand I think that this present era i mean you were talking about nostalgia i think you know we're kind of stuck i think we've been stuck over the past 10 years at least in mm. some kind of a nostalgia it was the 1990s and 1980s mm. not just you know in in films but i think uh, you know in arts in general like look at music like for example um bruno mars is just the king of, yeah. of nostalgia that's very true yeah. that's very true he, he's got some very nice music but it's not really new i mean it could have come out in the 1970s right yeah you know mm. and so it's quite difficult to i mean i don't think that people in the 1980s were th- were thinking oh let's do something just like you know the guys back in the 1950s were doing no that's, yeah you know, they were trying to do something completely new just you know find some you know break out of the of the mold mm. but i don't think oh, yeah. i don't think we've had like uh, a whole movement we, we we might find some exceptions like some you know directors or mm. some artists who, who want to you know do something a bit uh, unique mm. but have a whole movement like the whole of the 1980s or or like the the French New Wave or you know mm. this kind of thing. It's kind of difficult it's to define right now, yeah, especially with music, because you think of like you think of the sounds of the fifties, the sound of the sixties, seventies, eighties. Like they all have their distinct sound. Be it sixties with the Beatles, seventies with Led Zeppelin and the Who, eighties with all the electronic music coming out, ABBA, so on and forth. When you think 2000, 2010, I'm really struggling to think of a sound. I because I, I grew up in the mid 2000s i think of like 2000 rock i could maybe nail that but anything after like 2006 i'm really struggling to think of like an individual <laughs> sound to music okay maybe not yeah. to movement but there was definitely so like back to the future was in the 80s and they were traveling back to the 50s mm. this film we're talking about um was released in 88 and it's about the early the mid the mid 40s yeah uh maybe not starting movements but there are definitely some movies uh that are going back to the a few years and those eras yeah i mean charlie parker's credited with moving forward in bebop Mm. um mm. for for sure yeah. um and but, they even have that at the end of the film with him seeing like a rock and not a, well not a rock and roll but like the beginning of rock like in a performance and going like this is he's stunned of how different it is that, that would not him it is that scene is one of the scenes i was talking about that will stay with me it was somehow so sad to watch this guy that had just pretty much been ruined by heroin addiction and 
his own demons and seeing that the world had kind of moved on and he mm. still is kind of stuck and knows that he could never do what this other guy is doing. I, I'm not sure who that person was supposed to be. Was that supposed to be Dizzy? Good Gillespie, his I, partner. Uh, the, 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 the guy who's, uh, rock and rolling. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I I don't think it was because the name was not this at the moment. I I, I wasn't sure, so I, I extra focused on the listening. I don't think it was. I will try and find it. I think okay. it might have been someone that he uh, obviously had worked with before. Uh, there is an interesting dynamic there that I really uh, never uh, w- like wondered or really realized before. The segregation went both ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Albino red, albino red. When you had, so there's that one scene when uh, he's the only one to go to the white only shop to get uh, the the everything, and the scene right after that, everyone is getting in except, and him is hiding to hide his whiteness. That would have been um, obviously started by white people, though. I think that's the most of the problem. So segreg, but I, I think that's kind of the same thing with everything. It's like if you segregate yourself from a certain a group of people they're also going to start segregating as well because there's anger but that's that's a reaction rather than something that you start with yeah 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 it, may, yeah, it makes sense obviously it's just that i never really uh, thought about this no you you, uh, you don't it was pretty clear uh in, in this film mm-hmm. yeah uh which was uh quite interesting uh there is um maybe it's a language thing i didn't get um, sometimes Charlie Parker says about kicking, I can't kick. Mm. What's that about? He means his heroin addiction. Okay. Okay. I think that's what that would imply to like yep. kicking his habits, i.e. like all the alcohol or. I can't kick it. Yeah. Anything okay. you're addicted to is known okay. as kicking. Okay. I think I need to watch this film again. <laughs> I probably should have found that before the podcast. <laughs> I think I need to see it twice. I don't know. I think, I think execution wise, there are things that are kind of missed um in this but it's an it's definitely an interesting story to tell and they want to tell it i think that's the issue is how well do they tell it is the is the thing we're questioning is like was this film good or not yeah i'm not entirely sure how i I feel about it but i did i enjoy it yes but after a certain point i feel there's definitely a a hill to get over at some point in this but jan described earlier with him checking like how long is this going for but that was the same mm-hmm. case for me with um, Call Me By Your Name, and that was well worth the finishing the entire film. Yeah. But uh, I have to be, um, the first time I checked the time, already 45 minutes passed, so it was it went quite, oh, okay. All oh, right, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, I was a bit surprised. Uh, that. I think for me it's quite difficult to say, I mean, to judge if a film is good or bad. I mean, you can say, you know, some films are definitely bad, this one, I think, uh, well, it would be difficult for me to say. Uh, well, I mean, I really enjoyed it as well. Mm. Uh, but what interests me the most is, you know, the the intention behind it, because, you know, it's a, it's a biopic. Uh, but I don't think, you know, to bounce back on what Yan was saying, I don't think that it was a film, even though it, it obviously concentrates on it. I mean, it focuses on um, past events. I don't think that it's a, it's a film that is looking, necessarily looking back. It's It's more about, you know, showing... Um, you know, the importance of that man and how he's actually um, still um, topical in the present, you know, mm. showing his, uh, his, you know, I mean, like at, at the very last scene, you know, you can see the, uh, the credits, you know, saying how much uh, of, uh, of an inspiration he still is mm. uh, today uh, for Jasmine. So I think that maybe the, the intention was to sort of um, 
not just pay ho homage to um, mm -hmm. uh, to Charlie Parker, but also to show um, you know what an inspiration he is um, in the present day. Mm. I know for production value, because I read up on this, that this film was a difficult setup. Like they had the idea for it, and originally it was going to be instead of Forrest Whitaker, Richard Pryor. But it, right. the story rights were traded between two cinemas, uh, not cinemas, two companies. I, I can't remember the other company, but they got the rights to the Kevin Costner film um, Revenge, I think, is what they traded this for. And then it took too many years to get it up and going after the deal was settled that Richard Pryor wasn't interested anymore. So it was always it was always fraught with difficulty to get this this made, um, which I don't know if that affects the actual execution of some things. It might do because it might be totally down to not knowing where it was going. But um, the overall message is very positive, and it's 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 weird. It's I've never got to I've never watched the film going like half mostly like three quarters of the way through, going like I don't know if I like this film or not, and then getting to the end of the film and going. I like the message this film is telling me, even though I wasn't invested the whole way through. It's a new experience for me, actually. I mean, at the core of this, there is a terrible tragedy. Mm -hmm, uh, surviving your child is a natural; should never happen. No, mm. of course not. Yeah, uh, it's uh, in in uh, in my mind one of the most uh, recent tragedy of the kind. Uh, unfortunately, it's not in English, but it's a couple of books that were made into t into movies. Um, uh, Jean de Florette, Manon des Sources, uh, Manon of the Springs and Jean de Florette. I don't, it's, it's a familial, uh, it's, it's a tragedy around those themes. Mm. And I mean, I didn't see, to be honest, any other message, uh, in, in this one, uh, other than, uh, because it, well, the, the, uh, the kid thing, uh, because it's not that clear, um, as, it is in Whiplash, even though they completely uh, modified the the anecdote. Mm -hmm. That uh, whatever um, you, you'll 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 be back. Uh, whatever your the 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 fear of uh, falling. So you 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 failed at one point. It, the, every, everybody was laughing, and uh, it was not about that and uh, that film. I felt no, was it? no. <laughs> I guess not. I I did feel though that especially at the end when. Clint Eastwood, I'm guessing, put, you know, this is for musicians everywhere. It's kind of about someone who was addicted to heroin, which obviously is the hardest thing to give up and also totally destroys your life. And it's kind of the only thing you can think about. But also, I think it's a creative mind who is thrust into the business world because obviously music is a little, is like that. And acting has the same problem. You have so, um, and I thought that the, the the film showed that really well, that this is someone who also just wants to play his instrument mm. and doesn't really understand why he isn't allowed to and why he needs to be on time or be a certain person or act a certain way. He just wants to go on stage and play. I think there's a great scene that highlights the whole business versus creative side is when um, Chan, his wife, asks him, is like, where's the money you've sold you've sold so many records and he goes i made i made them but somebody else sold them yeah and it just highlights it's like yeah that's really for, interesting even now especially nowadays as well it's um musicians make their money by touring they don't you don't make major money off of record sales uh, mm -hmm. i don't think and it seems that well, people don't even buy records anymore. that's very true no. as well it's and the invention of spotify has um spotify kind of destroyed the online pirating of um 
music, which is a good thing, but it also took away people buying records, um, which is sad because so many people design the records to be listened to in a specific order. I mean, that's a lost art of putting down your tracks in a certain order to maybe tell a story or just what you want to convey to your audience. Um, yeah, it's kind of lost now with Spotify because everything is automatically shuffled if you're listening on a phone. Yeah, there's also this thing that was really the bane for. Um, so you, you, I don't, I'm not sure you ever heard about this guy, but he was kind of the Beatles of France, pretty much. Uh, Johnny Hallyday. I have not. I have not. Yeah, he. There was kind of national uh, mourning when he died a few years ago, mm-hmm. and about last year actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last year. Yeah. Oh wow. And like. Uh, the guy, maybe in the later years, but he never owned any of his music. That's it was true. just performing. Yeah. It yeah. was the, 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 the biggest performer in France for 40 years. And, well, it didn't die without a penny, but it was, you know, when you have a manager and you have you need money, it's just always, you need money at the that time to get that thing. You don't really care about, uh, about... Uh, about anything really mm. it was just you know, oh i need the money for that time you don't really care about saving or anything no um exactly the opposite that um you uh, too did they own everything they are putting out yeah yeah because they were able to give away their own music for free mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be able to do that if it was a market if a company owned it. it's like no we want to make money off of this which is why i mean everyone had the, the thing of like i didn't want you two on my ipod and it automatically just downloaded it for you instead of like asking do you want this but that was an interesting experiment, music music wise. Of like, here's this music, listen to it if you want. And that album actually wasn't that bad. I quite enjoyed that YouTube album that everyone got for free if you had an Apple product. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I watched Leon again a few days ago. That's exact, exactly the same dynamic. The guy is so focused on his plant and killing people that he doesn't really realize how money works. So he relies on kind of a manager. And when Matilda comes and he needs money. His kind of friend manager is asking questions. Well, are you sure you really want money? It's a big, like, uh, weird dynamic. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in charge of your money. Are you sure you really want? Yeah, but that, that's supposed to be his money in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I think it, you know, there's always a fine line. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, quite difficult for an artist to, uh, you know, to make money because I think that a lot of artists think that you know making money out of your art is almost like a, it's almost like a swear word you know like you shouldn't be you shouldn't be thinking about making money because mm-hmm. you're you're doing art but I think that this is you know this is BS you know because yeah. at the end of the day if you you know you've got bills to pay and so I don't think that you know making uh, thinking about uh, money is necessarily uh, going against art mm. think about the the uh, ceiling of the Sistine chapel for example you know i mean he was paid to do it you know but you know you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, say that it's uh, it's not art you know yeah that's very true but i think, I think yeah. sorry but I, I think that this this type of uh, a film actually really shows you know this myth of you know an artist needs to suffer for the arts which uh, I think that um, is not necessarily true, mm. you know. And I think that, you know, it really, that film kind of shows, you know, if this is what you want, well, here is what you might end up with, which is 
not a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it shows the human with his faults and exactly. stuff behind the legend. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking today actually because I saw that they'd sold Cristiano Ronaldo for 150 million euros to Juventus. And mm. I was thinking it's like if we take what you said with the Sistine Chapel, it shouldn't equate that the amount of money you receive as an artist dictates how good the art is. It should be like the money is yes, everyone's got to pay the bills, but if you're that talented, it shouldn't be like I make this amount of money so I can make this amazing thing. It's like if you're an artist, you should be able to be present what you you get your gift is and be paid for it within reason. And it's kind of not like that. I mean, you only have to watch um, Sugarman the uh, documentary. Yes, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. No, uh, Rodriguez. Oh, that's it's, awesome! It's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Really interesting, but basically, it's this a guy who didn't do very well in America, but did really well in, in South Africa. Mm. Um, but of course had no idea that he'd done so well. And he was like a legend Has and he was kind of the voice of civil rights when, you know, the apartheid and all that stuff was happening. So he was kind of this, this God in a way for p people that just wanted to live together and, you know, fuck segregation and it's, all of that. It's even worse as well, because you think of his music and you listen to it, it goes like, He's Bob Dylan before Bob Dylan was around. Yeah, but basically um, he was living... Mexican. Go he's like a Mexican uh, Bob Dylan. It's absolutely incredible music. And he only ever made two albums because they both underperformed. But they, yeah, like I said, they were huge in South Africa. And then he like, the film covers people in South Africa don't know what happened to him. It's like, how come he only made two albums? And then it shows you like what his life was like in America. And it unfolds from there. It's, I won't spoil any of the twists in the film. Because um, it's absolutely worth watching. Yeah, it's sold as it's, a documentary film, kind of. More. Yeah. It's, it's, but yeah, it's, and then the music is really, uh, indeed, mm. uh, really, really good. It's yeah. an exceptional film. It's well made. But basically just that he, he was a legend in so many people's eyes, but he was dirt poor in Detroit, America. And even though he didn't care about money, it's just the thought that, you know, it's it's not the same like money equals success success equals money it's it's when it comes to artists especially that's absolute bullshit the film is searching for sugar man or is it sugar ray no uh, sugar man looking for sugar or searching for searching sugar for sugar man, sugar man yeah, is yeah, the documentary yeah. it's well worth watching mm -hmm. we yeah, have it because I, I said it to nick the other day it's like with any other form of art be it if you're if you make burgers or you make bread right that's an art form to people like if it's a service People will pay for it, but as soon as it becomes a creative decision, it's like I'm not. People seem to just don't want to want to pay for it, really. It's because it's so normalized, and I think a lot of people think that it's easy mm. or something that you can do or a hobby. I don't know when it comes to magic. I'm not sure, but it's like with acting, people kind of see it as a hobby and something that's like, oh, just go on stage or you just go in front of the camera and do and say your lines like that's all you have to do and it's like there's so much more stuff that needs to be done like you need to be your own businessman you need to be your own manager and also um be kind of creative and a bit weird and unique but also mm. have to be interesting enough for people to come over and talk to and, and be able to network and mm. stuff so you kind of have to be ev every type of person <laughs> yeah exactly. um it had the, an oscar for the best documentary, Sugar Man. It's it's amazing. It's really interesting. But I mean, I think that's what Bird did quite well. I think it showed that it was some. It was a very creative man, who, who just didn't know how to network <laughs> properly. Yes, and also he was quite lucky uh, to you know to find people who, uh, you know, who would sort of put him on on the right tracks. Yeah. You know? 
Mm. Uh, how much his wife like fought for him yeah. to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. Because um, I mean, I think we all know people who are extremely talented, but who may never succeed because they just you know uh, they're not good businessmen. Mm. They uh, and if they don't meet the right type of people. Yeah. you know or you, you might find someone who's who's just going to take advantage of you you know like yeah. we've all heard stories of bad managers who you know embezzle all the money and, and stuff th- like that so yeah the famous one would be elvis's manager at the end i think is the the go-to when people think of you know just riding out of somebody else's work um there's a great tv series which i will find the name of for linking because my parents watched it at my, um where you see Elvis in one episode and it's just very tragic, like near the end of his life. Um, it's about the music industry and that, and that time I'll have to look it up because uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's not Booba or Tap. Uh, I don't think so. Have you ever watched that? No. <laughs> so um, uh, Bruce Campbell is uh, an Elvis with the... All right, oh okay, wow. Yeah, massive uh, cancer on his uh, dick. And what? there's a, um, I think it's... Like a tumour? Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's, it's the weirdest thing ever. Uh, it's in the likes of uh, what you would put. Uh, so, yesterday I went to see Troll Two, The Room, and Bubo Tap. Oh, yeah, right. it's it's uh, it's weird. One of those movies. It's a weird. That's a weird night for yeah, it's you. Yeah, a sea movie. A sea movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we, we're not really. You, you're. You feel like you. You're. Bomb, you're thrown into the life of this guy. There's no structure, mm. and you're just in there. And it's a bit disturbing at first. Uh, that's right. But uh, once again, it's really because it was 2 a.m. that I was checking the time, but I could have done without checking the time for at least half of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like it's a collection of scenes. Like, I feel that it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like... You're experiencing someone's life, which I don't know if is a bad thing or a good thing, really. I did have a theory, and it might be kind of my weirdness seeping through, but it seems a little bit like how Charlie Parker may have thought of his own life, like because he's so scattered and so like different. Maybe this mm. is the way that he sees his own life in like a series of like kind of scenes <laughs> and not in like a fluid lifetime yeah uh, mm. yeah i was wondering if it was something like reflecting because it how, feels like a junkie how yeah watching how, his own life mm, mm. and in fact when uh, in that scene when he dies when he's got his heart attack you can actually see some flashbacks as well you know going back mm. so it might you know uh well give credence to your theory that yes maybe it, yeah. it might be maybe the whole film was just like uh him just you know having a heart attack and just reflecting back on his on his life Mm. a question do you think you would enjoy it as much if it was told in a chronological order what do you think all of you or does Mm. the fact that it is scattered add to its enjoyment i think it would have been more of an immediate enjoyment like whiplash right like you'd watch it and you'd not look at the time and you wouldn't think about you know oh god this is so boring or so slow or you know all those thoughts going through your head and then afterwards thinking oh actually maybe i did enjoy that like whiplash was immediately like Mm. engrossing and oh my god this is so good and the last scene and you know you could immediately after it finished with like that was an incredible film whereas this one is kind of like a slow burner and that also shouldn't really be tossed aside like that that can also be a good thing mm. yeah yeah no that that's that you have to give it a chance that's a whole uh, a good like, two hour and 40 minutes chunk of your life there. yeah 
And I am definitely more interested in this guy as a person. And also, you know, like I want to listen to jazz all the time now. And, you know, I, I'm kind of more interested in that time and feeling. So I think it kind of did its job. Mm. Yeah. I think I quite like the fact that, you know, the, the story is kind of scattered. There's no, I mean, you, you were saying that Jan was saying there's no structure. I think there is a kind of structure in, in this weird uh, f framework um, I, or, or time frame, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily compare it to a film like like Whiplash. I think I would uh, I would maybe um, compare it to something like Ray because you know it's a biopic as well, and mm. it's it's almost kind of the same era. Um, and I think that if it was just chronological, then I would have find it boring because you know I mean you just know what what is going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. What I meant and mean is the uh, standard uh, Hollywood structure. Structure, yeah, yeah three yeah. acts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah. There, there is obviously method to uh, uh, the Charlie's madness and Eastwood's <laughs> uh, madness because I checked and it, there was uh, the guy who wrote the script for this. I think he only did that in his career, pretty yeah. much. And there was I didn't find anything saying that it was lifted from a, bio, a biography or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's pretty. That's pretty good. I don't know how they gathered all this from. Well, it the, seems like his wife sort of played a, uh, a big, uh, a, a big part in this because that was in the in the credits at the end of the film. Yes, that, uh, invaluable. Yeah. Right, right, indeed. Yes, yes. They made, they made it clear that she had an invaluable contributions. That's I th the, yeah. I think um, Red. What's his name? Red Rudolph. <laughs> Red something. Rodney. I think it's right. Uh, right yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also uh, talk to the production team. Oh, Ro there you go. <laughs> Robert Roland Chudnik. Yeah. Uh, Red Rodney. Yeah. Um, I think he spoke to um, production team as well. So mm. they, 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 de and also I, I looked at an overview of Charlie Parker's life and um, he, it, it is so true. Like all the things that they show happened in real life. Mm. Um, and so it's, totally about his life like there's no fiction at all cool i we haven't we haven't seen ray actually uh, did you i haven't for sure i haven't, seen, I haven't it, no. seen it no okay but that's one to put down on the book in the yeah books. as i uh, the whole point of my little story at the start that that's why bird came to mind when uh, mm. we wanted to have you back before you left francis <laughs> yes um, but, um, yeah, most of the stuff that I know about, and we are actually going to cover them, uh, this at some point, mm. like the, uh, I've added that thing you do, <laughs> okay. uh, which I just discovered two days ago, there is a extended version, 40 additional minutes oh. in, in the theatrical cut. We see Charlie's Theron only 10 seconds and she has many scenes in the extended version huh, okay so that's uh she, she, I'm, I'm glad she made it uh, big now because uh, in that thing you do she only had 10 seconds <laughs> that's how it works yeah uh but in the extended chat scenes so that's cool um yeah and empire um, records obviously we talked about the fact that we're going to do an episode uh soon mm -hmm. yeah uh there's another thing i wanted to discuss this movie was a flop like it made nothing it, made, it lost a lot of money. It made $2 million at box office. And I'm wondering, it is a difficult movie to sell, actually. Because if you think in the way that America makes trailers for movies, they take all the highlights of, and they try and like show you what the story is going to be. 
there's even a case nowadays that trailers show too much of a movie, really. And I kind of agree with that, actually. Oh, yes. Um, but I, it, I, it makes sense, because this movie is very hard to describe. But after seeing it, it's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell somebody what happened, like, straight out. Like, oh, then this and this and this and this. You'd go, yeah, I watched this movie, you should watch it. Or if you're into this sort of thing, you should watch well, it. Yeah, yeah, just go like something like it's the, the life of this guy who became a legend of uh, bebop and jazz. And, yeah. But yeah, to... I think as well, like he's not mainstream-wise, if you're not totally into jazz and bebop and all the, and that era, like you're not going to know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. In terms of like Elvis Presley, everyone knows who that is, even though if, if they're not a fan of the genre... But sadly, not everyone's going to know who this guy is. So I think as well, there's partly that like, oh, do you want to see a biopic of Charlie Parker? Oh, who's that? Like, why would I want to see a like, you know, the life of someone that I didn't know? Mm. Um, so mainstream wise, I can understand why people wouldn't immediately go and um, and it's going to immediately put bums on seats. Like it's not that kind of film. Is that the kind of music you're listening to? Because I knew some of the names, Thelonious Monk, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Duke Ellington, I knew, but I, I really can't, for the life of me, uh, hum any tune. Uh, no. of, of, it's a bit difficult style. to hum uh, bebop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I just mean mainstream. Like, obviously, if you're into it, you're going to know who these people are. But I just. Oh uh, yeah, I just mean if you go to a random person on the street, they might not. Mm, yeah, you know, so that's probably why it didn't. Like, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same as if it was. Uh, well, I think that that was probably um, you know Eastwood's intention to to do it. I, I think that he knew that he was taking a risk, mm. you know, financially because it's not. Again, you know, if you compare it to something like Ray, I mean, you've you've never watched it, but you know, you know who Ray Charles is. Yeah, I think that yeah. pretty much everybody does. Whereas Charlie Parker is like, who, who's Charlie Parker? I've never heard of him. Yeah. I've heard of him, obviously. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, Eastwood, we, we all know that he's a big fan of, uh, of blues and he, like, he produced a whole series on, on blues as well. Uh, I think with uh, Martin Scorsese as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so he's a big fan of, uh, of blues and jazz. He's also a musician. And so he, I think that his intention was just to say, you know, I'm just going to, basically make uh people know about this guy you know because yeah. i think that he's you know he, uh, he's inspired a lot of people so i'm just going to show you know who this guy was and how topical he is today you know yeah that's one thing you can't deny as well that even if you didn't enjoy the film the scenes where you hear him play or whatever that were amazing like that is incredible m musical talent and mm. you so Either way, like there are scenes that you'll you'll never forget because that's it was just incredible how um and like that's like a super difficult thing to do to like go off the you know the the main track of every every other instrument around you and then go back to it and then kind of you know do different things like that's like that's not something that everyone can do even if they are like classically trained. That's the um, kind of thing I realized you have to actually give a chance to the, you know, to give a chance to the product, like let, let the thing in. Like, yeah. I mean, whatever the subject, I watched, I think it was a TV movie many years ago about Bobby Fischer and suddenly it was all about chess and it was crazy about chess and everything. <laughs> There's so many different topics and everything. Yeah. If, if you just, yeah, I'm not into football, which I do. 
uh, but I'll probably watch Green Street at some point because it was yes. so important for you, Anouk, that that's the reason enough, uh, I'd say. But um, yeah, uh, football, I really am not making any effort. I'm really <laughs> not really, really convinced I'll still watch the finale. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not for everyone. Yeah. I mean, even I get bored there, but the World Cup is kind of crazy because sometimes you're watching two f matches a day and it's like, okay, now I'm even bored. Like, and I'm not, I don't watch like you know, smaller club stuff. Like it's just World Cup. But um, I got to say though, for this one, it's 20 years. Last time we, uh, maybe we won in the middle. I'm not sure, but sometime we won in 98. Yeah. yeah there was this huge Brazil, yeah. uh, France 3-0, right? So yeah. France, Brazil. And now it's again, uh, 20 years exactly later. So it's, it's kind of a thing, I guess, but uh, I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, I'll watch it. I'll be around. Uh, yeah, they are, France is definitely playing really well. They deserve to win. Yeah, they were pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fan of football, to be honest. But even though I was born in Brazil, so every, everyone thinks that you know, because I was born <laughs> in Brazil, I should be a fan of football. Street uh, football. Yeah. Yeah. I actually prefer rugby. You know, I think it's more of a, mm. a team sport. Yeah, I enjoy uh, rugby more as well. Yeah, but it, I think it's because I love stories, and I don't really feel i am being told a story and I, when I, wa i when i watch a football match well that's not the point probably <laughs> but that's probably why i won't sit through eight or maybe a an Ita on italian tv because apparently they add weird noises like uh, oh, so it's okay. like kind of a funny uh, how about the story of, of a man who's paid uh, millions a month just to kick a ball yeah Oh, yeah, but that's yeah. for uh, five years. <laughs> and then uh, he spends everything and kills himself. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. it is insane how the, how much they are given. Well, I, that's, it's funny. I, in one of the previous episodes, we touched on something similar. I didn't say because I forgot, but about the fact that actors, everyone thinks that we're paid ma vast amounts of money, but most are struggling. There is kind of a similarity, I think, between big A-list Hollywood stars and footballers uh, in the terms of how much they are being paid. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah so the distribution of, of wealth, you mean, is not fair in football as well. Uh, well, I think probably in quite a lot of um, industries, like the people that are starting out are working probably maybe as hard um, but get paid absolutely nothing because it's, you know, we're giving you experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exposure. Exposure, which uh, I love that word so much. <laughs> yeah, Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. In, in yeah. I pay you an exposure. In, ma in magic and in general. Yes. Yeah. 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 I pay you with, um, I'm, I'm just going to show you the scene that you did. Okay. Yeah, you can, you can, I could have done that at home, but fine. <laughs> you, can, you can use it for your uh, showreel. Showreel, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's, anyway. it's never be released anyway. I think we're, go we're going back to what uh, Jan, you were saying earlier on. You know, I think that as, as artists, we, we would all very much enjoy just to be doing what it is that we love, you know, whether it is to act or uh, play your instrument or, you know, do some magic. You know, if I, if I could just do gigs, that, that would be amazing. But unfortunately, you have to work to get that gig. You know, you have, yeah. To, yeah. You have to audition, you have to find you know, the, the opportunities to audition, you yeah. need to, uh, you need to practice. And, and also I think that, uh, uh, that's something I wanted to say about that movie. I think it's, it's quite interesting that choice that, that Eastwood made, uh, I don't know if it was intentional. Um, cause 
we've agreed that it you know it, it sort of focuses a little bit on the uh, on the business side of uh, of art you know but what i find interesting is that they don't show you know the practice behind behind it you know if we compare it to something like whiplash for example you know you can see you know how how hard you know the guy is training you know to be the best uh drummer um but you know you don't see any of that it's almost like uh you know charlie parker just uh you know um is naturally gifted at being a saxophone player which i don't think he was uh, you know he's, he's just you know he spent a lot of time playing um you know uh, are people like uh, michael brecker for example uh, who uh, who's one of the best uh, saxophone players and you know he said that he would um he would play for like 12 hours a day you know mm. and in fact he was taking some uh, you know some drugs just to be able to uh, to withstand the pain and stuff you know so um mm. and it's quite interesting that you know they don't they don't show any of that in in this film no know, so. yeah yeah they do they just because i had to go see a guardian article to actually recount how the open mic happened and it's it's you see that he's being ridiculed but you don't get at any point the sense that Okay, I've got ready. Well, not that clearly, anyway. Okay, I've got ready to now. I'll work my ass off to become the best in the world and come back. Mm. It's if you, there is a Guardian article explaining the whole thing. He said, "I'll be back," uh, kind of a Terminator uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I think as well. Like even when he had the symbol thrown at him, he was still pretty good. Like he was better than quite a lot of saxophone players out there, I'm sure. So. So you kind of start off seeing him as someone who is t like talented anyway. And I mean, when we were at, uh, at ACS, we were even taught that, that like be careful of talent because you can be naturally talented at something, but there's going to be a point where someone who's just working every single day is going to surpass your natural talent mm. because they had to work for it. You know, and because you think, oh, I'm naturally talented, I'll be fine. You stop working and then the person then just gets better and they're the one that becomes successful, yeah. hopefully. So I think, yeah, I agree. Like there, there has to be like a that wasn't really shown to us. And it, maybe it was more than to do with the, his struggles with addiction that kind of mm. was his was the main problem that they kind of focused on. Yeah, there's obviously the grafting, but you've got also to admit that sometimes there are some people that the the luck factor. Yeah. Like people who just can't act for shit, but they're were there at the right moment and they're good people to work with and they will go farther than uh, people who are tremendous naturals who are just dicks on set. Yeah, like um some, yeah, some there people. are lots of there are lots of <laughs> actors out there that are terrible. Um, and the only reason, and I mean, you hear it all the time, like, oh yeah, and I, you know, I, 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 I really enjoyed working with her or him, like the other film. So I decided to like audition them for my new film. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, mm. but then again, like, I think quite a lot of industries do work like that. You know, like, oh, we get along, so I'm going to ask you to come to my next thing and da, 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 da. like it's which is which kind of sucks because there are quite a lot of people that are super talented and not great to talk to or not social people or you know like they're sometimes even autistic and they can't um so yeah i mean lots of problems <laughs> uh -huh. yeah it, just like um well a bit probably less than trade spotting this film doesn't lead you to doing drugs yourself no way, Jesus. 
Because nah. again, I, I, I only realized after we talked about train spotting that the single reason probably that I never did drugs uh, up until five years ago uh, was because of that movie, uh, Train Spotting. Mm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't shy away from the positive and the negative, Train Spotting. Uh, it's accurate. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel. Yeah, of course. Because that's also kind of important to talk about the fact that drugs, yeah, are great. Like, we can't lie about it, but. Oh, like, I mean, uh, natural drugs uh, produced by your body are also drugs. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also, well, that's also a really interesting point. It's a little bit, not really, but America obviously now has this massive problem because, um, and the way that Charlie Parker obviously started drugs was that he had, he was in a car accident or something and got addicted to morphine. And then because you can't get the morphine again, because obviously your doctor stops it, you get addicted to heroin. And that's happening a lot in America because they will give, you know, really intense painkillers for like the stupidest things like, oh, you you need to get, you know, your teeth cleaned. Um, here's some Vicodin because <laughs> um, that was a little bit painful. And then because you can't get those drugs anymore because they're legal and, they, you know, you need a reason for it. You don't have the prescription. You then go to the illegal stuff. And that's why there's such a is such a bad heroin, crystal meth, you know, kind of those A class drugs problems in in especially America. Um, so there's also that part of the film. <laughs> I think I must be addicted to falling in love and heartbreaks. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a that I think that's an actual thing. <laughs> probably, um, probably. There's a there's. Have you seen Love on Netflix? I started mm. to watch. Yeah, because she has a, re a relationship and love. Uh, yes. Uh, thing addiction. addiction. Thank yeah. you. Oh yeah, it's uh yeah yeah sex and sex and love addiction. Um, yeah, there's a term for that. Sex and love addiction. Yeah, I uh, I I googled that at the time. Yeah, there is a medical kind of a condition. Yeah, yeah, I think it's sex and uh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's probably since I've seen that, I actually wondered. Not <laughs> <laughs> at that level, because she's quite heavy on the on the sex and love. Yeah, and there's the booze that she kind of self-medicates on, but yeah. Yeah, so um, do you have in mind anything you'd like to add on any subject or uh, the film? I Obviously, race is very important and we need to talk about it. Um, but I did quite like how it wasn't laid on too thick in this film. I think quite a lot of the times if you have something that, well, you know, you're talking about a time that was racially charged, it's sometimes like so not over the top, but it's just kind of laid on really thick. And it's kind of the only thing that was important to talk about when I quite liked how in this film it was very subtly there. But also you saw how normalized it was and how that's also a problem. I th it's uh, that's actually a very good point. It made me realize how ignorant I was because at one point I was, wait, it's like mid forties. The guy is massively popular. He's a black guy. Wasn't there supposed to all hate blacks at the time? Yeah, I mean, and it's obviously a north south thingy, which I didn't really remember or uh, know about clearly about all the Jim Crow laws and all that kind of. Uh, yeah, it's also very a lot of. It's a lot more complicated than that. It's also like you know. Um, I th especially then it was like fine to see black people as entertainment for white people like in so you'd see quite a lot of black people in entertainment um but in other walks of life it would have been harder to see um 
And we, I, I guess America, it's, it's still talked about that there's a massive problem with that too. And still now you see black people as like something that you watch or is entertaining or, you know, so it's probably the, the, the same thing that's happening here. Of course, this man is very talented, um, but um, so it's very complicated, this the race thing. But I liked how it was subtly put in rather than something like, it was really racist. Mm. Shoved down your throat. Yeah, exactly. That's what I quite like about Eastwood in general. You know, he's, he's very subtle, you know. Mm. I mean, this film really touches upon a lot of subjects, you know. I mean, it's about, I mean, of course, it's a, it's a historical uh, film. So you talk about, you know, race and uh, talking about business in, in arts and, and drugs um even the the way that the film is is structured uh or not structured is also very interesting the the acting as well i think uh uh and talking about subtlety i, I remember um eastwood's um actor studio uh, interview where he was talking about how he actually um starts a scene you know with his actors and it seems like he's also very uh gentle and very subtle with his actors the way that he directs them like he's not the type of director who's going to say okay action you know he's just mm -hmm. like you know he would start a scene just like this you know talking uh you know he, so he would let you talk and then all of a sudden it's like okay so let's let's go let's just start now mm -hmm. and you know so i i think you can really see it in um in all his films you know it's like you're sort of uh eased into the the film You know. Yeah, Prob that's a good point. Probably start uh, coming from the fact that he's himself primarily known as an actor. So he acts, so he obviously knows how an actor thinks, uh, which is always the problem when you have directors who have no idea what... Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, more angry. Yeah, can you be more uh, angry? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Paul is uh, cool because he has some tricks, a magician, obviously. Uh, to get you where you you need TV, which was uh, mm -hmm. the, when we did the uh, the Darkfall trailer, I, I, I was totally unsure about what I was doing, and it was uh, pointing me toward things and uh, using uh, trickery to get uh, the acting wanted out of me. It was so cool. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. also just a very nice person. It's quite a generic word, but he's just very like gentle, and the way that he'll like talk to you, it's like. He's talking to you and that's it. You're the only person that matters. And this is very important to him and to what he wants to do. So I think you then also have like a, an added interest in the film and the project and the people around you and the way that you act because he cares about it so much. Mm. Yeah, you see, he tremendously respects and loves actors. Mm. His dream since childhood has been to be a filmmaker, which is becoming a reality every day. Uh, more and more totally. and he clearly knows uh, is I'm always amazed and impressed every time I uh, watch something uh, with his name attached to it to yeah, be honest. yeah yeah he's um, definitely yeah so now that we've touched on the indeed it was a very uh, good important point the race uh, thing uh, do you have anything to you feel to need to add I'm good I'm good I, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think we could go into the rating and then add a few um, uh, questionnaire questions because oh, yeah. I think they were not there last time you came. Sure. So, Anouk, Jan and Francis, was bird good, bad, or just plain standard? Some of our guests, Francis. Uh, I would say good, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think I'm going to add um, um, important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. 
and you have to be in the right frame of mind like don't watch this if you're like you want you'd rather watch like something like shrek 3 <laughs> you know like oh, you, you specific go to it yeah. needs shrek to, 3. it's because we tried to watch the other night and it's so terrible <laughs> but it's yeah. like very easy watching and kind of like fluff you need to have two two hours and a half in front of you yeah <laughs> exactly and like an interest in watching a film i think it's it's one of the films that i would i would uh expect to find at the at the gft and at, at cine world you know it's like yeah. it's not going to attract the same crowd you yeah know? Mm, definitely yeah kind of yeah. indie kind of style art house art house yeah uh, yeah good with the flair of well this one is difficult i would in, difficult in, no 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 in i was careful about this specific word but intense mm -hmm. like no no um engaging yeah yeah engaging works yeah yeah uh i'll say good with the flair added of um search for it i.e it's a film worth watching if you're searching for something like this. Mm -hmm. um, I often use the the phrase, uh, if it was on, I could watch in the background. This is definitely not one of those movies. This is one of these sit down to watch the whole thing sort of movie. So yeah, good. But like Anouk said, be in the, mind, be in the right frame of mind for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we added a few questions in the questionnaire since you, uh, we saw you last. Okay. I, I think, yeah. Um, if you had the opportunity to go and view any culture from the past, like if you were completely invisible, had a babel fish in your ear and walked amongst uh, the Romans or cave people or Native Americans before the European came, who would you choose? Um, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I, right now, I would say probably ancient Egypt because I'm quite... Uh, interested in it uh, i think it's a, it's a very uh well amazing culture i mean thinking about you know it, i mean it's so old you can think of uh, cleopatra who's the last queen of, of egypt who's actually closer to us historically than the first pharaohs who um you know uh, designed the um the pyramids mm. uh so i mean it just shows you know how um, vast that period is and there are just so many things we don't know yet or and that we may never know so yes it, i probably would like to um yeah to just catch a glimpse of uh, of what happened at that time right. but i would i would like to be able to come back as well you know i don't, <laughs> don't want to get there. stuck in the past you know <laughs> no 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 sounds very scary as well. <laughs> uh, cleopatra seven of the ptolemaic period yes mm -hmm. whether yes. long nose if it had been shorter the history the face of history would have been changed kind of thing wow. and it's a very um, important point in one of the Asterix. No, I think it's in literature, uh, kind of thing. Um, well, Asterix is literature. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, How yes. dare you? <laughs> of course. Red, my um, nephew, started to watch um, The Twelve Tasks. The oh, Les Douze Travaux d'Asterix, in French, obviously. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, on Netflix, and it's awesome to 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 watch those again uh yeah there's old uh anyway uh there are there are two bonus questions still guys um whatever you want to ask uh Francis? oh gosh um oh pressure 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 um <laughs> i'd rather have the skills of ray ray uh charlie parker or they're a good fan, man, Ray. Sugar, not Sugar, Ray. Parker, what's his name again? Ray Charles, that's it. Uh, would I rather have the skills of Ray Charles or, or Charlie Parker? Yeah. Right? Well, being a pianist, I would probably like to uh, play a little bit more like like Ray Charles. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, both of them just, uh, they totally revolutionized, not jazz, but also music uh, in general. Uh, but I think 
Yeah, if I had to choose between Ray Charles and Charlie Parker, yeah, probably more Ray Charles, yes. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and be involved in the music industry, which era would you go to? Oh, that's a good one. Well, to me, well, to me, the, the best era for, for music is either in the 1960s or 70s, I think. <laughs> uh, there were just so many amazing musicians. Uh, I like that, that uh, era. Are, uh, you know, in arts in general, uh, not just in music, because it was back in the days when people were not afraid to mix different things together. And, mm. you know, and people were discovering new things, uh, new uh, cultures, uh, new drugs, obviously. <laughs> uh, but um, new people. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, nowadays, even in, in jazz, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've seen so many people who say, you know, like for example, if you play an, an electric bass instead of double bass, uh, some people will say, oh, it's not real jazz, you know. And I'm like, what, what do you mean by re real jazz? What, what is real jazz? Is it, is it Charlie Parker? Is it, uh, um, you know, Chick Corea? Is it, I, I don't know, like, mm. what, what is real jazz? You know, tell me. Uh, and I think it's the same thing in, uh, in, a lot of, um, in a lot of fields nowadays. You know, some people say, you know, this is the way that it should be done. You know, film should be done this way. You know, uh, music should be done that way. And I find it pretty interesting, you know, going back to, uh, you know, the era that we're living in right now. I think, I mean, reflecting back to, uh, you know, the 1960s, 70s, or even 80s, they had nothing, you know, I mean, technologically speaking. I mean, now nowadays, you know, in just a couple of clicks, you can just find everything you want. But we just tend to uh, stay, you know, and just uh, wear blinkers and just keep, uh, you know, doing the things that we like and uh, not, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't you know are not um open-minded enough to uh to just discover new things you know even like that film for example bird you know yeah. uh, i think it's um you know, it's one of those things that it, one of those films that you you would need to watch to sort of open your mind a little bit mm -hmm. and uh so i'm quite nostalgic towards you know those eras of you know 1970s and 80s even though i've i never actually experienced them you know so i find it quite interesting that i'm nostalgic about something that I've, I, I didn't even experience myself mm -hmm. uh, but I would like to see some of that you know again you know coming back because I think that we've got such an amazing thing I mean look at, look at this you know we can do something live uh, I mean you know people can just watch us from everywhere you know we can all be connected and I just find it you know it's amazing what we can do but so far I mean you know we've I don't have my phone right now but you know in, in your in your phone I mean most uh, smartphone have, have got more computer power than NASA had when they launched someone uh, on the moon. You know? Oh God! But yeah. we just yeah. use it to take pictures of what we eat. You know? <laughs> yeah, know. it's just it's just amazing. I would just love you know the the twenty twenties to just be an era of you know of finally just uh, you know grasping the the present of what we have right now, and just uh, and just doing something new and not being uh, limited by uh, borders. Here, here. All sense yeah. of the word. Mm, definitely. Mm. There is a Jimmy Kimmel video back to when it was funny. Where with the oh, 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 burn. <laughs> October 2000. <laughs> I think it was 21st of October 2015, which was supposed to be the date when uh, Marty came back. So you have uh, Marty and Doc on the on his stage, and the, the, it's one of the lines of uh, Doc, like, "Oh, what's this thing?" And it, it looks like it's uh, like what you just said. And Jimmy Kimmel was like, "Yeah, we use it to um, take uh, pictures of cats and uh, selfies." 
kind of a yeah, so yeah. kind of a yeah. That's uh, that's that, that's insane. Uh, okay, we are about to finish now. Um, just a few words to say. Uh, we'll also have um, uh, shine. We'll talk about during this musical summer. Uh, Empire Records. Well, yeah. Anyone has anything to add or not? Not me. Not right now. Anyway, no. No. Okay, so uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, thank you, guys. I don't know if you... Let me see what we recorded yesterday. Yeah, you'll probably hear about the 10,000 listens before, but if you didn't or if you did, thanks again. 10,000, that's huge. Super cool. Uh, we'll probably do some... Uh, we'll do a bundle this and the one-year anniversary on the 19th of August. Yes. Uh, yes. A, a double yeah. uh, thingy for that. <laughs> Um, so thank you again uh, for listening. Uh, we are the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast, and we were Adam, Anouk, Jan, and Francis. Bye bye. Bye guys. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>